Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast, the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine with the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice, strategies, and tips from experts without the fluff. Your host, Caroline Belinska, the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. With over 10 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce, she shares her knowledge and interviews the experts to help you in your journey to success. Now, here's your host, Caroline Belinska. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a great guest here today. I'm very excited because this is an app I myself use. It's also an app available in the Shopify store. So I'm very excited to be speaking about this today. Everyone that listens to my podcast knows that I'm very passionate about conversions and there are some very simple ideas that you can implement into your Shopify store to help you get more conversions. So today's episode is definitely going to help you with that and give you some ideas. Today, I have Ryan Culp on the line with me. Ryan is the founder of FOMO. It's F-O-M-O.com. He has been running FOMO. We'll ask him exactly how long. I know it's been quite a few years because he's been around well before the Shopify store app store started. And he is a self-taught developer and a musician, which we'll ask him about that as well in a second. So let's welcome Ryan and say hello and find out more about FOMO. So hi, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. So how long has FOMO been around for? So it's kind of a funny story. And in, in fact, uh, the original maker is, uh, is an Australian guy. And he started an app in 2015 called Notify. And uh, a buddy of mine and I actually acquired that app from him in early 2016. And we rebuilt it and rebranded it to FOMO. So the, the core bones of the, the concept has been running for over four years now and pretty much been in the app store since day one. And now we're called FOMO with, with a slightly different product. Fantastic. Well, look, I love FOMO. I use it on my own website. My Just Ask Parker used to be a Shopify store. It is now a WordPress store. So it works across all different platforms. We definitely know that it works and it works fantastically. And what I love about it, it does integrate with many, many different integrations, which there's a lot of apps out there that don't. And when you do have a Shopify store with a few different moving paths to your business, then FOMO is definitely going to be the best solution that's on the market at the moment. So it also works just with a standard standalone Shopify store, but there's other great things which we'll talk about a little bit more as well. But tell us a little bit about you being a musician. What do you play and tell us about your musician lifestyle? <laughs> well, definitely, and maybe all of us have something like this in mind, but music was, uh, was my first life or my first calling, and I thought I would do it for a living. Turns out it's a lot of fun but it doesn't pay very well, or at least I couldn't figure that out. And so I finally, you know, after failing and playing a lot of shows and being decent, but ultimately decided to go to school and get more, uh, I don't know, marketable skills, particularly a marketing degree. Not that that was very useful. And then landed accidentally in tech, which is another long story. But yeah, I landed in technology, moved from Atlanta, where I grew up, to New York City uh, for my first job at a startup. And that was maybe six years ago. And since then, I've worked with dozens of startups as a freelancer or at agencies. I've worked in venture capital. I've founded a few startups, some that failed, a couple that we sold, a couple that are still TBD, like FOMO. And I've worked as a marketer, product person, uh, and developer at these companies. So 
Uh, the music part of me, I guess, I'm still pursuing part-time. I've been recording music and writing for the last four or five years. I think I've come out with about one EP per year for the last five years. Played several shows. And I, and I like to think that the, some of the skills or the disciplines in songwriting uh, or composition in general, whether you play piano or you sing, are transferable a little bit to marketing. A, of course, there's creativity. So there's a backbone there. Mm. You're always trying to be creative when you're coming up with marketing campaigns to differentiate, but also particularly the uh, copywriting aspect. You know, when you're thinking of good copy, it's not always the case, but a lot of times good copy is denoted to some degree by succinctness and not using filler words. And in songs, Mm. you only have so many, you know, syllables or cadences to communicate really big ideas in two minutes or three minutes or two verses. And so I think that some of it applies and I like to write copy the way I think about writing hooks or verses or something. So yeah, hope, hopefully the two skill sets have been complementing one another for the last few years and certainly pursuing music part-time has been, has been better than nothing, I guess I could say. And you know, maybe one day after we have some more wins in technology, I can get serious about music again. Fantastic. It's so nice to hear of someone that does more than just their job, because I think in this day and age, it's definitely the place that we need to move towards is a lifestyle business and being online. And this is why I tell people Shopify stores are such a great idea because you can go and do something else and anything in tech, whether you do what you do or have a Shopify store or another type of business, when you're not turning up nine to five at a job every day, having a side like a hobby is a really good idea. So love it. It's fantastic. And hey, whenever you're ready to get back on stage, let us know. We want to know exactly (laughs) where you'll be playing so we can come and visit. Fantastic. Great. So for everyone listening, FOMO is an app that's that little notification that pops up in the bottom saying on a Shopify store, such and such just purchased. Someone just purchased. This product was just purchased. So tell us a little bit about FOMO overall and the whole point of FOMO, where the idea came from and why it actually works or why it doesn't work if it doesn't work. So tell us a little bit more about FOMO. You know, I heard a quote from a restaurateur, I think in New York City, they own a few different concept restaurants. And they said something like, the best form of marketing is personal recommendation. And they were talking about food, Uh, literally, you know, we go to restaurants because friends recommend us place. But we kind of, if you extrapolate, we do that everywhere possible in life. If someone has a good mechanic recommendation, a good dentist, you know, barring things that are out of our control, like whether our insurance will take it or not, we're pretty much going to act on our friend's advices or anyone we trust. We even trust people that we've never met. So you read a Google review and it says five stars and it seems thoughtful and you think this person sounds like me and suddenly now you're spending hundreds or thousands of dollars or hours or days or weeks in on a beach somewhere you've never been just because of something that someone you don't even know has met. So humans are always kind of looking for these signals from one another, whether we even know the person or not. And that's kind of the core of what FOMO is about because we're a marketing automation tool. If we had to define ourselves in some like category on a directory website, it's marketing automation, it's conversion rate optimization. But what we're really doing is trying to exploit and not exploit in the negative connotation, but exploit as in use those, those things that don't change about humans, which is that we're all looking for sort of like direction and we're all seeking trust. And all of us in return, especially as entrepreneurs, when we put our business hat on, we're looking to create or curate credibility and trust. So what we're trying to do with FOMO is sort of relieve entrepreneurs of 
the otherwise necessity to use a bunch of tricks and tactics to sell. You know, there's a lot of apps on the Shopify app store that kind of will make your customers feel guilty. So there's like countdown timers and there's like out of stock things and there's like urgency alerts and there's like, you know, exit intent where if you buy in the next eight minutes, we'll give you this percent off. And all those things work. And that's why there's so many of these tools and people swear by them and they all, they can all prove demonstrably, you know, how well they convert for you. But all of them, I think, miss the point of what's really going on. And what's really happening is that people uh, are looking for direction and they need, they need to build trust. So what we're trying to do with FOMO is, again, relieve entrepreneurs from the need to do that. And if you use a tool like FOMO, and I'm not trying to pitch FOMO specifically, but if you use technology that allows you to automate the display of trust and you're able to communicate to people who never heard about you five minutes ago, but then they clicked on a Facebook ad and now they're on your site. Well, how do you keep them there? It's like, well, you can fight them. You can punch them in the face with exit intent pop-ups and make them feel bad with, well, the messaging in those pop-ups or discounts that are expiring. Or you can just let them know, hey, you know, we're, we're a legitimate business. Other people are buying from us. Here's what they're saying. Not only are they buying, but here's what they're saying. So like product reviews, there's a lot of great apps for product reviews. And all of that together allows uh, businesses to achieve what our vision is actually. So our, our vision at FOMO is to give honest entrepreneurs the credibility they deserve. And I don't know of any better way to increase sales than to be trusted by the market you're attempting to sell to. I love that. That's fantastic. And I know that you said that you're not here just to pitch FOMO. And you know, mm-hmm. when I do this podcast, I'm really about finding the best of whatever tool that I'm talking about, the best of marketing to talk about. And when I got to reach out to you and get you on the podcast, I was like, this is fantastic because I really do believe in FOMO. And one of the reasons is that it's more than just selling. And that's what I really like. There's many other apps out there that just do the purchase only, which is fantastic. Mm. And it's a really big part of what we that's a big part of conversions but what you can actually do with FOMO is actually have a such and such signed up now as well so it can link into an email opt-in so then people can see people are opting into email so do you want to explain that in a little bit more detail as well of the difference between people buying and opting into things and how FOMO works in that that degree I appreciate you bringing that up because that's definitely something that we think is critical to making a tool like FOMO um, as useful as we believe it is. So like you said, we don't just show off purchases. We can show off product reviews. We can show off opt-ins. And this is what allowed us to expand actually beyond Shopify, beyond even e-commerce in general. And so if you are an e-commerce store and you maybe, for example, have a blog and maybe on your blog, you have like a free three-part email guide or a short course. And ultimately you want to use that to convert blog readers from your SEO into uh, shoppers. Well, FOMO can be used on that blog. And uh, like you said, we can show opt-ins, we can show webinar, RSVPs. On our own website, we also show stuff that isn't even related directly to customers. And so when we think about selling or showing off orders and reviews, that's sort of like building trust and credibility because you're demonstrating other people trust your business. But another thing you can do or another side of that coin is just transparency in general. And so with us on our own website, since we're not an e-commerce store, yes, we can show off free trials, subscriptions, upgrades, annual plans, and so forth. But what we also do is we'll show off how many times we're pushing code to our app. We show off every time we close a help desk ticket inside of Intercom. And this communicates to people that, hey, not only are you privy now to what other people are doing on our website, 
but we're letting you know like what we're doing. Because if you're going to pay for our tool, we want it to be really clear to you what we're basically doing with that investment of yours and how we're reinvesting it. So we do that on our own site all day with our own FOMO integrations. We do that in our monthly newsletter, where sometimes I've even said to people, hey, this is what we did with your money this month. <laughs> See below for all of the product and feature updates. And so that's super important to us that FOMO is not just a tool for showing off orders. And in fact, a few months ago, we hired a data scientist. I don't want to misquote the exact statistic, but what they found, one of many things they found, is that the notifications we show that have, let's say, reviews from JudgeMe or Yapo or Stamped or some of our other favorite product review apps, those notifications get a lot more engagement and clicks than just simple product purchase notifications. And I thought that was a really interesting insight because it goes to show that to some degree, we care more what other people think about a product than the fact they simply bought it. Because we've all bought products that we ended up not liking later. <laughs> so knowing that someone sold something, okay, but maybe they sold it and that person's not going to be happy. Maybe they sold it, but the person is going to, thinks it's too expensive. But once you see the review, then you get a bigger, a better picture. And that's something that we've been definitely trying to capitalize on more. And we encourage our, our customers to connect a lot more integrations than just their orders because it tells a better story about their business. And as we've seen in the data, it also uh, does a better job converting more visitors into shoppers. Yeah, it's so true. I just look at my FOMO statistics and I can see what's going on because I've got different integrations in there. I've got it on two different sites and I can see different things going on. I also, I'm just looking right now at the integrations and you've got things like social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, just anything that you can get across to people of, hey, people are talking about us, we're a great product, and that can work on so many different levels. You've got Referral Candy, that's another one for Shopify. I see that you've got Google Analytics as well, events. What sort of events would you have from Google Analytics going through? Sure. So what we're now doing with some of these integrations like Google Analytics is we're making them work both directions. So for a long time, FOMO would read data from your, from your app. So we would learn, okay, you got a new MailChimp subscriber, you got a new ConvertKit subscriber. But now we can also turn what's happening in FOMO into data on those apps. And so for example, with Google Analytics, what we can do is suppose you've set up on your blog a Google Analytics event for every time someone clicks to watch a video or to download a course or to enroll. You can now just connect GA and inside of FOMO say, hey, every time those events fire in my Google Analytics account, turn them into FOMO notifications. So it's, it's to one degree just a way to not write any code, but basically capitalize on other integrations and tools you've already set up. And if you set up the goals connection, for example, let's say that on your store you have e-commerce enhanced analytics turned on, which every store should have, and you can get that turned on day one and Shopify provides some great guides for it. Uh, once you turn that on, you're going to have down to the penny amount of conversions that you have for a given product or your store. So inside of FOMO, you can connect that. And so in addition to saying, you know, John just bought this red shirt or Sarah just left a five-star review and here's what she said, you can also say, you know, we sold $715 worth of red shirts in the last three days. Here is the most popular version of it, or here's mm. the most recent, most popular location or types of people buying it. So yeah, we try to get kind of more meta by adding some of these newer integrations. I love it. And you do have OmniSend. For everyone listening, everyone knows I do recommend OmniSend as the email marketing system at the moment. That's the best one that I find uh, for Shopify. And they've definitely got OmniSend. You've got it built into it. So that's fantastic. 
I love this. This is absolutely fantastic. And I think that you've given away some really key points there that people need to set up. And I think some people get worried that, oh my God, this is another thing to add to my list of tasks to do. So it's pretty simple to do this, isn't it? Yes. And in fact, we've, we've been privy to this over the years. So we've always kind of put effort into making our onboarding as simple as possible. And with Shopify users, it's even faster. So once you click to connect from the app store, everything is done. You don't have to touch any code or anything like that. Your Shopify app or your Shopify orders begin importing. And then optionally, as you see fit, you can go to that integrations tab and connect more stuff. We've actually been complimented by a handful of very, very large multi-billion dollar companies who have signed up for FOMO and we asked them, you know, hey, can we help, right? Because you see a big sign up come in, you kind of want to give them the white glove service. And they say, oh no, we were, we were just signing up to show our uh, product team how nice your onboarding is. <laughs> and, and this happened a couple months ago. So yeah, so I, I would say, um, I, would, I would encourage or challenge, the, whatever the better word is for you, you know, to check it out, spend no more than five to 10 minutes. If you don't love it, one click uninstall, you're all set through the Shopify app store. But yes, we've, uh, we've tried our best to, uh, to make it really simple to get up and running. And again, part of the approach here, I think our philosophy is you shouldn't need to learn the interface for 20 different marketing tools and pay 20 different marketing tool fees when all you're really trying, I think what you should be trying to do at the end of the day is just build credibility with your visitors. Because once you've done that, you don't need a lot more traffic to increase your sales. That is so true. This is one thing that I tell people all the time. I'm like, look how many people came to your website, but did you give them the right message to make them buy? So yeah, I really, I highly, highly agree with that. And we'll leave information in the show notes for the link so people can find out exactly how to install it. I want to talk about, you've mentioned AOV equals budget. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what you think? Sure. So AOV, of course, average order value or average cart size, average basket, that turns into, uh, that's kind of the beginnings of your ability to project your customer lifetime value. So a lot of e-commerce stores that we've looked at, and we have thousands of e-commerce customers, I also own or co-own the CrossSell app. So apps.shopify.com slash cross-sell. It's another pretty popular one. And um, that has a few thousand customers. So we've looked at lots and lots of metrics. And one thing that kills some stores, their ability to do certain types of marketing is what their average cart size is. So if you're selling, it's not so much about, by the way, you're selling cheap products or expensive products because you can sell expensive products and have really, really low margins and uh, then you're at about the same spot as someone who sells less expensive products with, with a higher margin. But the idea behind average cart size is just how much margin do you have left over to market to them for that second or third or fourth reorder? Because a lot of stores get like single digit reorder rates. And maybe that's okay. It's not necessarily a reflection that you have bad products. Maybe you sell really durable stuff. <laughs> you know, Maybe you sell like hunting knives and it's like the hunting knife to end all hunting knives. And unless I lose it, I'm probably not going to buy another one. And unless I have a bunch of friends who are hunters and I want gifts, I might not buy another one. So I wouldn't look at that metric and say you're a good or bad store, but I would look at that metric and say that if you have a propensity to have a higher repurchase rate, maybe you have a perishable, maybe you sell some sort of like protein infused peanut butter, then you want to have a higher order value so that you can afford to build that relationship with that person over the several months it's going to take for them to come back and order again. And this is definitely baked in as a strategy to some of the more mature stores. You know, I've, I've gone to stores, for example, 
with the intention to spend $6 plus shipping. I was just talking about some kind of peanut butter. There was an actual store that sold flavored homemade peanut butters and they were a FOMO customer. And so we used to go shopping by querying our own database for stuff we wanted. And (laughs) it would just return stores and we'd land on their, their URLs and see FOMO and buy the product. And so I went to this peanut butter store on a few occasions to buy like one $7 jar and then pay for shipping. And each time by, by the moment I had checked out, I would upgraded to like a bundle of, you know, four jars. And that was so key because then I'm eating this peanut butter for months. I'm not only did I make them more money up front, but just think about the fact that I'm now eating something and thinking about this brand every day mm. for like 120 days instead of for like 20 days. And how is that going to impact like my recall ability to maybe go back to their website or recommend them? You know, so now like because my cart was bigger, there's 120 days worth of this brand on my mind and I'm telling other people about it versus 20 days, all of the things being equal. So I think that's a really interesting metric to think about. And that's actually what we strive to help people improve at cross-sell. So we help you show off recommended related products. That's all about increasing your your cart size so that the visitors you are converting, you're basically adding as much value to them as possible. And then that extra margin you're going to get because you sold four jars of X instead of one, you can now afford to keep in touch with them, send them gifts, send them offers, call them VIP, you know, ask them to help create new flavors or whatever it is that you do because they've sort of like given you the runway to do that. Yeah, I love it. I think that's, you're a man after my own heart. This is something I talk about <laughs> all the time with people. I was just talking to a, had a competition a few episodes ago where I was giving away an hour consulting coaching with me um, as a prize. And one of the pe- people I spoke to this morning, actually, that won, and um, he was telling me about his product and it's a really low price product. And I was explaining this to him that it's so important to have these sorts of metrics in place because people are going through business and they're trying to set up their store. They're trying to run around and do all these different things. Oh, I need Instagram. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to think about how I'm going to send it in the mail. But then really the, it comes back to the numbers. And if you don't know your numbers and you don't know how much money you're going to make, then no matter how hard you work, it can actually just be a completely waste of, waste of time for you. And I, I see it constantly. I'm sure you have too. Exactly. And that's why I think it's interesting to talk to you about our conversions and you know, traffic and, you know, where should you be and what should you be thinking about as a new store? Where do you cap your efforts and your resources at? Okay, today or this week or this month, I need to get my traffic up to X goal versus, okay, I should spend all of my effort on CRO or I should spend all of my effort on, on you know, cart size or inventory or the selection of products I have. And I think that's kind of an interesting maybe segue into that. Yes, go for it. Definitely. So I pulled up just a moment ago some stats that I was curating. It's uh, it's part of a, a larger lesson I did, kind of like a, a webinar on valuing Shopify app stores, where I went through the Shopify exchange, of course, where you can buy stores. And I basically just quickly analyzed like no more than five to 10 minutes per store. And I did this for four stores to kind of understand the baseline metrics and how I thought these stores compared as like uh, opportunities to acquire. And really what, what that means is how, these, how fun or how great it would be to own these stores, you know, like the, the quality of business of each of these stores. You know, if I had to choose one of these to run it, which one I, which one I choose? Yep. And so the Shopify exchange, it's, it's really interesting because sometimes you don't even get the URL to the store. You just get some metrics. Sometimes you do get the URL, but again, you only know like five things. 
you know, how many hours they, they spend a week running it, you know, their monthly sales and you know, like generally their profit and then, you know, their monthly visitors. And so I'm looking at some of those stats now and it's sort of ridiculous how across the board it is. So there's a store that's actually still for sale right now. I just checked. They get 2,600 monthly sessions, but they do $31,870 a month in sales. And so that's $12.13 per visitor session. Now compare that to one of the other stores. And uh, this is a store that sells like tea, like healthy fit tea type of stuff. They do 23000 a month in sales. So like, you know, 7000 lower, which is fine. But they get 95,000 visitors. And so therefore, they're only making 25 cents per unique session. Mm. And so that's sort of like problematic because... If you look at whatever your channels are, and a lot of people are using Shopify or are using Facebook to drive ads or drive traffic to their Shopify store, you can't really get clicks cheap enough so that 25 cents is like profitable. But you can pay almost anything for a click when the average unique visitor, <laughs> unique visitor, not yes. know, conversion, is, uh, is making you $12. And so when I looked at those opportunities, and I'm happy to share these stats. It's just like a view only spreadsheet. So it will show like the seven metrics I looked at. It will show the gross margins, the monthly sessions and the dollars per session that really came down to like the quality of the traffic they were driving more so than, than the amount of traffic because the store with the, the lowest traffic, 2,600 sessions had made a dollar and 12 cents a session. So they were 12x better than like the benchmark with one twentieth of the traffic and their margins were better too. <laughs> so the, the store that had way less traffic had 47% margins and the T brand had 29.5%. So there's like no scenario where I would want to be the T brand. Exactly. Also the, the profit was 2X. Like with just 7,000 more in sales, the profit was actually 2X higher because the margins were better. So yeah, it's like when I think about spinning up new stores and I acquired a store actually with my wife over a year ago and then we sold it after about a year. You know, our interests were not in like driving a ton more traffic and they definitely weren't in driving a ton more traffic through lower quality ad clicks. We instead made a blog. We wrote in a few hours, like two posts that were 1700 words each. In fact, one of those posts, we paid someone $15, just $15 to write it on iWriter.com. Uh, then we edited, you know, some typos. We published it, and within 30 days, our blog was doing 10,000 unique visitors a month organically. And then, mm. of course, a portion of those were going over to our store. So those are the kinds of things that I get really interested about when it comes to like deciding where do I want my traffic to come from, and realizing that all traffic is not created equally, and then combining that with these other variables, like of course your on-page conversion rate, which can be impacted by FOMO, looking at your cart size, which can be impacted by cross-sell and gamification, put all that together, you can build a really strong business by pulling just a few levers, different directions. Whereas I think a lot of stores or entrepreneurs, they do whatever they're most comfortable with or whatever they think feels the best, which a lot of times is traffic because it's a very easy number to see and it can be exciting to see a lot of traffic. But if you just tinker with those three variables kind of equally, I think you're going to get a lot better results. And that certainly shows up in this analysis I did where all they did was focus on quality of traffic and it's just such a stronger business than the other ones with more revenue or even higher margins or more traffic or whatever. 
Yeah, it's so true. Exactly what you just said. It's, it's great to hear it from that perspective. And I'd love to get that document from you and link it in our show sure. notes as well. So people can see that it's things like FOMO makes a difference. Things like your cross sell app makes a difference because once you get people to your website and it really comes down to the right traffic. And that's something that first of all, before everything else, just getting traffic for the sake of it is definitely not the answer. And people that listen to this podcast know I've spoken about it so many times of these so-called Facebook ad experts who say, I'll get you a lot of traffic. Yeah. You're laughing because you know, yeah, they get a whole lot of traffic to your website and then they can show you the statistics and say, see, I got you the traffic. It's your fault that they didn't convert. And then Mm -hmm. I talk to these people and I say, hang on, did this so-called expert tell you to have these certain areas looked after on your website? For instance, did you have some sort of opt-in on your website to get the email address at least? And they're like, no, they never told me any of that. So getting the traffic is the easy part. I can get people traffic. I can get a million visitors to your website a day, but is it the right traffic? Probably not. And I love the way you say that, you know, it's looking at these three areas and making sure that you work on all three of them and they all matter just as much as each other. But certain things that you work in, it's almost like magic, isn't it? You, it's like a, a magic way of t- tinkering with this number and tinkering with this number can make a big difference. That's exactly right. And yeah, it reminds me of a quote, which I'm going to butcher intentionally because I think it, it better applies to us as, as entrepreneurs in e-commerce, which is this idea that you can manufacture growth, but you cannot manufacture profit, at least not as easily. And by manufacture, I mean, there are known levers you can pull that if you do this, this thing will happen. And Facebook ads is the perfect example of that. If you put money into Facebook ads and you are not totally incompetent, <laughs> you will drive traffic to your store. It's like guaranteed within 10 minutes. You know, once your ads are approved, you're up and running, you turn up the spend, you're going to turn up the traffic. And some of your traffic may even like accidentally buy your products. Mm. So even if your store isn't optimized, you know, you can manufacture growth, but you can't manufacture profit because profit is sort of like a product of innovation. And that innovation in the e-commerce context is where you can figure out at a really fundamental level, how can we, right, back to the basics, produce it for X, sell it for Y and keep Z. And that takes like a lot more finesse and that takes a lot more wits and a lot more trial and error and experimentation. And that hasn't yet been totally codified. If it was, everyone would own a successful store. So you can always manufacture the growth part. So it's important that when we see our traffic going up and we say, I don't want, you know, my sales aren't uh, where I want them to be. Don't just, uh, you know, opt to the thing that everyone can do really easily in one click, which is increase your budget. Try to, you know, do some of the experimentation and, and innovate first. And then I think kind of a toggling between those two modes where you say, okay, now let's try something like new that hasn't been done. And then let's, okay, manufacture and put attention behind it. And then let's go through the cycle over and over again is key and treating it as a cycle and not just, well, I feel comfortable with ads. I'm just going to turn up ad spend. You actually kind of have to go back and forth between the modes and it it also kind of even uses different sides of your, of your brain as well. Yeah, I love it. So you did mention to me as well about branding being a competitive edge. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that really does come into this as well of getting the right traffic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to ever pretend to know what I'm talking about with like brand building. And there's a lot of people who call themselves branding uh, like specialists and they would be better at this than me. But for my own 
perspective as an individual who sort of has like a quote unquote brand, right? Like what I mean by that is I just tweet a lot <laughs> and uh, I write and, you know, I speak at places and that kind of thing. So like I have a quote unquote brand there. And then at work at FOMO and other projects I've been working on, kind of, you kind of get this realization that it's so easy to start a business these days, which is great. But then the next thought you have to have, uh, the logical conclusion of that is first you gulp. And then you realize, well, that means it's easier than ever for people to compete with me <laughs> mm. because it's easier than ever for everyone to start a business. And so once you realize that, the logical conclusion is like, well, how do I stand out? And there's this really fantastic book called uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. And it's basically a framework to evaluate yourself against your competitors and sort of map out visually, you know, what are the competencies or what are like the aspects of your business where you can differentiate. And the way it tries to walk you through that process is this like four part, like uh, reduce, eliminate, build, or create something like that. It's much catchier the way they say it, but they use this great example of like Cirque du Soleil. Mm, I love this example. uh, Yes. (laughs) Right. Versus the circus. It's like, Oh, regular surface, big expensive animals, Animal rights groups hate them. Cirque du Soleil was like, yeah, no animals. So they like and they were told animals. not to do it. They were told you're crazy doing it, and the cost of people. Exactly. And then they were like, oh, circuses, uh, family friendly and cheap. And they're like, nope, we're not going to make it family friendly or cheap. We're going to make expensive. So they mapped out all these like parameters where they're like, yeah, we'll basically be like a regular surface in this sense. We'll have a tent. So that was like the same. And then they're like, oh, we'll we'll, we'll diverge the opposite direction in this sense we'll uh, do this thing better and we'll do this thing worse. And all of us can run through that exercise, even without reading the book. I think you could probably search Blue Ocean Strategy like worksheet and do that for our business. And when you do that and when you believe in it and you actually execute on it, what you're left with actually is a semblance of a brand because a brand is just your, your personification of, uh, of your entity. You know, if your company was a person, what would it be like? You know, I, I worked at Red Bull years ago for one year, and it was such a fantastic experience. I learned so much about what I know about marketing today from that one year at Red Bull after having dozens of marketing gigs in between. And one of the things they had us do, and it felt really silly at the time, but I think they were on like the next level when it came to thinking about brands, is they gave us a piece of paper. They flew us to Miami. We were there to work that Flugtag event where you create the the glider that you fly off of. Yes, the yes, off <laughs> cliff the pier. And walk yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, off the pier, that's better. And, uh, you know, they gave us a piece of paper that said, if Red Bull were a teenager, it was the first one to start smoking and the first one to quit. And it's like, ah, you know? And I read that, that was it. It was a piece of paper that just said that. And that was like orientation day for Red Bull. And so it was like, huh. You know, and it, it finally started to click years later where it's like, if you, if you were a person, you know, what would your personality be like? And I think there's a lot of exercises in branding that can be, might not go over so well with certain personalities on your team, right? So you might not want to try the whole, like, if our brand was an animal, what would it be? Like, I personally don't even like animals. I like to eat animals. Like, I don't like animals. I don't go to the zoo. I'm allergic to animals. I just, I've never really liked them in that way. So if you ask me, like, what's FOMO's animal? I, I couldn't tell you. But if you ask me, like, what FOMO is like as a person, I could very quickly tell you that because I understand people. Yeah. And so um, when you start doing all of that, you, and you, you create this semblance of a brand almost by accident, well, now suddenly it doesn't really matter that there are 50 other stores selling similar products as you. 
And in fact, you can further differentiate by saying, you know what, we're just going to raise our prices. So it's like, maybe we came out first and in the last two years, 20 companies joined and they kind of sell the same stuff and they're making us all look bad. Just sort of elevate yourself from that by increasing your pricing, removing some of your options, maybe even recommending competitors when people are too cheap for, for you. Mm. And now, boom, you, you've like dovetailed, you've landed on, on a brand because you've expressed a point of view that is unique to you. Not a manufactured one, not, uh, not a, you know, an exercise like if my brand was an animal, but you've actually just injected your own personality into this entity and it shows and uh, prospects will appreciate that. And I, I say all this kind of from the experience of FOMO because FOMO was the first product to do what it does. We were the only app on the Shopify app store with our offering. And in the last few years, literally dozens of, mm. uh, of competitors have come out. And so I keep track. I do two things. I keep track of all of these competitors in a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is called chopping block. And as they go out of business, or if we acquire them, we've done that twice, or if they seem just kind of uninteresting, I strike through their row. But otherwise, I look at those and I say, this is a sea of junk, and then we're doing what we're doing. And time and time again, we continue growing because savvy shoppers will comparison shop. So they'll find your store, and then they'll say, you know, maybe I can get this kind of thing, like, slightly cheap over here. Or like, let me Google for a promo code, or let me just look around, like, blah, 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 your brand name, alternative, or, you know, whatever. And if you've built a brand, you welcome that kind of behavior. And that's kind of a litmus test for yourself. So when I get on a sales call, and we get on sales calls every month with really big companies, and they're all finding us inbound. So we don't do any outbound sales, but huge billion dollar companies that come inbound, they set up demos. And on the call, I say, by the way, I recommend you check out our competitors. <laughs> I think you should evaluate as many as you want to make the best decision for you. I have a list of them that I can send you after this call. I'll let you know which ones, to my understanding, have an API, which might do this, which might do that. But I definitely encourage you to check out all of our competitors. And I say this on every sales call, and it strengthens the pitch <laughs> because I'm not bluffing. You know, yes, I, I really yeah. send them the list. I really want them to check out the competitors. I, I actually, it's almost a, maybe it's a cruel thing on my part to do because if they do set up demos with these competitors, who don't have the robustness that they might need as an enterprise business, it's actually just going to waste our competitors' time, which is also good for me. So I win in every way when I refer our competitors, but I can only comfortably refer our competitors because I'm so confident in what we've created. And a part of my confidence stems from, I think, the brand we've, we've built around our offering. I love that. It's so true because... I think everything that you've just said, I, I've done that in my own businesses in the past that I've had. I do it now with my business. And too many people, I think, get stuck in this, oh, I have to fit into everything. I have to be the cheapest. I have to be... They think that's competitiveness. They think that if I'm suitable for everyone, then I'll be competitive. Or if I'm cheaper than everyone, I'm competitive. But you're not the cheapest. I'm not the cheapest. Apple iPhones are not the cheapest, yet people like mm. me still buy iPhones. I don't really care about the price of it. It's, I think thinking of the what you've just spoken about is much more important than trying to be cheaper. And you even said it before, put your prices up. I just had this conversation with a client the other day who's got a direct competitor, and they're really the only two in the market. And they were trying to compete with them on price. And I went, don't compete with them on price. Compete with them on your benefits. You've got extra benefits that they don't have. And yeah, I think that that is so important in this space. Well, in, a, in an exercise that we can all do is, you know, there is this 
dichotomy of how much do I need to fit in so that I'm understood by the market and what their expectations are, you know, what I should look like, about what I should cost, my, my benefits and my service levels. That's reasonable. But then there's also the other end of the dichotomy of like, yeah, how much should I stand out? And so I think of it, it's really just like jazz, where to be a great jazz musician, you've got to, here we go, music's coming in. You've got to know all of the rules. You've got to know music theory so that you can sort of perfectly break it in just the right places where it doesn't distract too much, doesn't distract the listener from enjoying it, where they can still infer like a melody, but they also can sense that this is original. And that's what we're trying to do with our companies. It's like, you know, if FOMO was $3,000 a month and our competitors have free plans, like maybe that would be unreasonable. We're not playing jazz. We're, we're, we're playing noise. But if our product is like 39 bucks a month starting price and our competitors are 15, like, okay, not a big deal. Yeah, it's two and a half X more, but for slightly bigger companies or slightly more targeted prospects, it's, uh, it's actually a better, uh, a better story because they would look at a $15 tool and say, ah, you know, maybe it doesn't do all the things we need it to. So um, you've got to find that place for your business, but it is somewhere in the middle of the dichotomy of fitting in in the places that, that count and, uh, and standing out in the places otherwise. I love it. It's fantastic. And so let's finish up before we finish up. What is maybe a tip that you want to give people something that you can direct them to on your website to help them move forward in their own businesses? So a couple things. We actually co-wrote a free ebook with Yotpo about social proof on your e-commerce store. And Yotpo knows a lot about this as well. They're also a social proof tool. They do reviews. I believe they have a free plan. And we wrote a book. So if you Google like Yapo FOMO ebook, you can check that out. And that's going to do a better job than, than me. And right now articulating, you know, I think a lot of the ways to think about building credibility on your store. And as far as a tactical tip, I'm actually going to provide one I think is really never shared, but it's something that I've always believed in strongly at my website companies, as well as e-commerce, which is to have really, really good customer service. So many stores don't stand out because they install whatever free support ticket tool they find and it has an auto reply that says, you know, thanks for contacting our store. If this is about your order, go here or, you know, please wait 12 hours. And it's kind of just obnoxious. And all of these emails people are sending you, they're, yeah, they're asking silly questions. They're asking about their order, even though you've already sent them an order confirmation. They're asking for a receipt, even though you automatically sent them a receipt. Okay. But when they send you that email and they get this, you know, auto reply, it's like, that was an opportunity to build your brand and do the things we're talking about. That was an opportunity to upsell them. <laughs> that was an opportunity to say kind of like Pizza Hut in the 80s, you know, if we don't deliver in 10 minutes, it's free. Like you could say, hey, if we don't get back to the next few hours, like we'll give you something. And you can actually turn these people who are otherwise about to be detractors and unhappy early customers into advocates, into evangelists. Mm. So part of everything we've talked about today, like how do you increase conversions? How do you increase cart size? How do you increase the quality of your traffic? How do you build a brand? You could do all of that by just like spending five minutes in your customer support tech stack, tweaking your auto reply, adding some personality to it, maybe even removing the auto reply and actually replying in real life a little bit faster and just giving really great quality support. You know, there, there's a sandwich shop in the US called Jimmy John's. It's a pretty decent sized chain. And their phrasing isn't like amazing sandwiches, although the, the flavor is good. Their phrasing is freaky fast sandwiches. That has made them a staple sandwich lunch place for a lot of people who work in offices because Jimmy mm. John's will be at the bottom of an office park. And it's like, hey, I have a quick amount of time to go get 
something to eat before my next meeting or conference call. And so they go to Jimmy John's because they know it will be really fast. And so it's another way to stand out. It's another way to drive evangelism. And when you're a small store, you know, you can turn those first few hundred customers into customers that repurchase from you for years. You know, we have customers like that at FOMO. People have been around since 2016. They're on like a $9 a month plan that doesn't even exist anymore on our website. And they're, they're just loyal because from 2016, they got a, an email response from the founder at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night when he needed help. And people remember that. Uh, or as the saying goes, they don't remember what you said, but they remember how it made them feel. <laughs> so yes. as an entrepreneur, you can, you can make customers feel a lot better than you do. And you can do that with support. And with that as the baseline to all the other tactics, um, I think you're well on your way to, to growing and, and getting the kind of growth set that is sustainable and that, that you want. Love it. Fantastic. Great advice. I'm going to link to your ebook in the show notes as well so everyone can get hold of that and read through it. I think you've given a lot of excellent advice today, Ryan. It's been amazing having you on. Better than I even expected. I knew you were going to be great. So thank you so <laughs> much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'll put a link to your app in the show notes. I'll also put a link to your other app, the Cross-Sell app as well in the show notes as well. And hopefully one day we can get you back talking about the cross-sell app because I know that you haven't even started talking about that one yet. And that's a big area that I like to talk about as well with Shopify store owners because I think that a lot of people are missing out on these cross-sells and upsells, which is also a great thing for business. Wonderful. Mm. So we'll finish well, thank up Thank you that. so much for having me. This was fun. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to having you back again. So thank you, Ryan, for being here and thanks everyone for listening. Until next week, keep smiling. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash winning with Shopify and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And as a listener, get 20% off at justaskparker.com by using the code podcast.